0: We are celebrating Pride Month here on Best Hour of Their Day. And we have two amazing guests coming up this week. Today's guest, Nunu Costa from CrossFit Invictus. He's been a part of their team for many years. And he was a part of their 2014 team where they came in first place at the CrossFit Games. I'm not going to go too much into Nunu because he dives into so many awesome things. He's an amazing coach and just an amazing human being. You're going to love this episode. And then on Friday, we have the world's strongest gay, Rob Kearney, who recently competed at the World's Strongman event in Bradenton, Florida, and came in 13th place. Just an amazing dude, and it was a really, really fun interview for me because his husband stopped in and chatted with us, and it was just such a great talk. I love talking to open-minded, amazing, incredible human beings, and Rob is one of them. Tomorrow's episode of Fern and Myself is pretty great, too. We talk all about the deadlift. Full episode, simply diving into how to teach the deadlift. We we dropped, I don't want to say it's our best episode ever, but I think it's one of our greatest episodes. We dropped a ton of knowledge. We kept it fun And like we always preach, we kept it simple. So you're going to want to listen to all three of these episodes coming this week. And as always, check out our website, besthouroftheirday.com. We update it regularly with all the latest episodes, with the recommended books from each episode. And of course, you can download 50 questions to ask at the whiteboard. Here we go. My good friend, Nunu Costa. let's do it. All right, I'm here with Nunu Costa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. What's the background? What's your ethnicity for the Nunu?
1: Oh, Nunu, it's Portuguese. I was born in Portugal, um, so it's a very common Portuguese name. My brother's is even more weird. It's João, but he goes by John, so it's not as like unusual. But then we have, we actually have six names, and it's almost exactly the same. So mine's Nunu, his is
0: João, and the rest of his.
1: Alvaro Marheiro Jamaru Rodrigues Costa. Try to write that when you were a kid.
0: That's your full name?
1: That's my full name on my Portuguese passport. On my US uh documentation, I shortened it to just my first,
0: middle, and last name. What's your documentation? Are you a US citizen? I became a
1: US citizen in 2014, the same year we won the games. Yeah, it was a good fucking year.
0: Excuse wow, my that, language. That must have been a what was more Important for you winning the CrossFit Games or becoming a US citizen?
1: Oh man, I think becoming a US citizen.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that was a more lifelong journey
1: than the CrossFit Games was. Uh and that same year is when I decided I was gonna go to Brazil uh for an extended amount of time. So like all that happened within the
0: course of like 12 months. Big, big year. That was 2014. That was a big year, five years ago. So, you know, I gave you the introduction prior to this, but one thing you mentioned is you are the fastest gay in the world. But, yeah. but that was a lie. <laughs> you at one time on this planet were.
1: At one time I was for a long period of time from 2010 to 2018. And I got beat last year and I was actually totally happy with the way that it went down. Um, The guy ran a faster time and was like super close. I think I ran an 11.3 in the 100. And uh, I turned 40 last year. And I ran a 52 flat, 52.12 in the 400. And uh, I I literally did one day a week of running, maybe two at the most. And most of my training um, was CrossFit still. And so like with the amount of training that I did, I was extremely happy with the outcome. And uh, when I asked the guy who won what his training looked like he said he'd run like five six days a week and so i was extremely satisfied and happy with my outcome and the bottom line is if i go out there and feel like i did my best and somebody beats me my hats are off to them but if i feel like i could have done better and honestly i don't feel like i could have done better nor did i want to put in more time to train specifically for just that one event
0: well and and there was no age group on that either, was there? There was, yeah, thirty-five to thirty-nine. Still, and okay. I was on the
1: on the latter end.
0: Okay, Nunu. So let's be clear: you were the fastest thirty-five to thirty-nine-year-old gay man. Yeah, that's a lot. Do you, do you know how many gay men there are in the world? I don't, but I mean, it's still impressive. Yeah, but you were positioning it as you were just this fastest, fastest dude in the world.
1: You're like basically, the
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, there's a. I don't know if this is a true story. Dave Castro was chatting with you, and he didn't understand why you were competing in the gay games. Is that a true story? Uh, I think at some point he's asked. He asked me about it. He was just like, "I don't get it. Why? Like that? Like that type of meant like not that you were competing in in running, but that he just didn't make the connection." I don't think a
1: lot of people know about the gay games, you know? And I think uh, they started in 1978 and really is to give people an opportunity to just train and compete, just like the CrossFit Games does, you know? So really, they don't really care if you're gay or not. Like anybody can do it, you know? So it's all about inclusivity, you know? So if you wanted to sign up and compete, you could.
0: Is it only running or is it all sorts of? No,
1: there's probably like 40 or 50 sports. I've also played. Uh, soccer but they have tennis they have softball they have uh, water polo they have swimming they have uh, so my room is the fastest gay on the wa- in the water for his events <laughs> so we basically live in the household of very fast individuals uh, meet- for his age group well, for his age group.
0: so <laughs> did you guys meet each other at the competition or did you no. know each other
1: we've known each other for like over 10 years but the first time i went to gay games was in 2002 in sydney and that was Two years after they held the actual Olympics there. So it was really like a life changing experience because same venues and like the opening ceremony was in the same stadium where they have the actual Olympics. So you walk in and there's like 40,000 people, you know, and so it was like it's a week long and uh, you don't have to qualify. You just have to register. Uh, You have to pay, obviously, you know, because it's not a free event. It uh, takes a lot of coordination and volunteers and, you know, people that actually do this for full time. And they're only every four years. And uh, so Sydney was the first time I did compete. And I lived in New York at the time. And I trained right after I finished my last year in college to go on my own and compete there. And I, uh, I think I did all right. I think I got a, a silver and a bronze, a silver in the, in the 200 and a bronze in the 100.
0: So it's not, I was envisioning like this is in California because you live there and it's just a local fun competition. This is a full deal. Full
1: on, full on, yeah. Uh, The one in Paris last year, I think there were over 10,000 participants in all the sports. I think the one in Sydney, there was like 14,000. The one in 2010 in uh, Germany, in Cologne, there were, I think, 12,000. And then in 2014, they had them in Cleveland. I missed the 2006 games that were in, uh, Chicago
0: and this is and then, male and female male and female yeah well that's really male cool yeah so what was the transition like for you from being this incredibly fast runner to CrossFit
1: yeah so that actually took a little while you know I ran track in college and it was uh it wasn't a surprise like I knew I was fast in high school but I'd never dedicated myself to running because I uh, I prioritized soccer and volleyball. Those were my primary sports in high school. And then I walked on to the, soft, to the track team my sophomore year and ran for three years, uh, ended up being top 10 all time in the 400, uh, ran relays, finished third at conference. So I was all Big West, sprint of the year, ran a 47-7 in the 400. And then after college is when I moved to New York. And I moved lived in New York for two and a half years. So there was no CrossFit then, or at least that I, I was aware of. Uh, But I played competitive volleyball then, did my first half marathon, then saw a triathlon, fell in love with it. I was like, oh, I want to do a triathlon. Moved to San Diego 2004, started doing triathlons in 2006. And in 2008 was the first time uh, is when I started doing CrossFit. So that's sort of the the timeline.
0: So I want to ask you a little bit about this. And you know me. I love you. We're friendly. So I never want to offend. Sure. Um, you're super fit, super athletic. Was there anything in in high school? Were you aware that you were gay? Was it challenging to be a part of that team, or were you? I don't know when you came out, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, so- I don't know how to ask
0: that appropriately, but I'm curious. <laughs> You're fine.
1: You're fine. Thank you for being respectful. Uh, in high school, I think I knew, but I wasn't sure. You know, I think a lot of people say that they feel like they're different in high school or like once I find out or realize that they're gay, I didn't really think I was different, you know? And I think sports always gave me a sense of belonging, you know, so in that sense, um, I didn't really come out until my uh, college years. And even then I didn't fully come out until I think I lived in San Francisco. I had an internship there between my fourth and fifth year. So the transition I think was slow. I kind of started realizing it in high school came to terms in college and really fully accepted it like just at, shortly after college I would say
0: was it was it a tough to come out is that is that a hard yeah thing to do?
1: extremely yeah there's a, a good book called velvet rage that talks about the process of coming out And uh, I read that recently, probably about a year or two ago. And I think one thing that like people don't realize is that, you know, like you said, it's a tough thing for people to go through. And and everybody's journey is slightly different. You know, like some people don't come out until they're like 65, you know, which is crazy. They have like whole lives, you know, that they live and they they live in denial, you know, that entire time until they can finally get to a point where they can be themselves. You know, so for me, it wasn't necessarily about that. But once I kind of realized it, it was like, okay, you know, now what, you know? And uh, the first thing I think I did is uh, in my freshman year in college, I wrote my parents a seven page letter. This is before the internet.
0: Seven pages. I, I don't had know a lot to detail. Say yeah. About
1: yeah. I had a lot to say, I think. And then uh, I that was the a text.
0: text. Hey mom, hey. I'm gay. And yeah. I
1: it, it wasn't that simple. And I think <laughs> it was before cell phones. So this was in 98, 99. And uh, and uh, and I think the process has always been a little bit challenging. I think nowadays I'm I don't shy away from who I am, but I think there's always a fear of uh, being accepted and belonging, and uh, and then uh, and uh, and I think being afraid of like not just hate crimes, but people judging you and not accepting you for who you are. And so that I think prevents a lot of people from coming out early in life, you know, and just really being. Okay with who they are as an individual.
0: Yeah, I think I've gone through my life and I just like, I say this as a nice way. It's like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Yeah. About, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't realize it because I'm just like, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're black, you're white. Like, it doesn't yeah, matter to me. Totally. But there are people out there, obviously, that are not the same. Like, well, a lot least. of our
1: country, if you can, if you think about it, you know, and the thing is, like, it takes a lot of courage to come out. Because one is you have to face the fact that you are different and you are not the norm and you are not what society accepts. What society's view of normal is, is like, you know, a man and a woman, you know, and that's the traditional family values. And the thing is, like, yeah, we might live in a slightly smaller bubble, even within CrossFit, I think it's widely accepted. And even where I live in San Diego. It's widely accepted, but, you know, you go to about 60, 70% of the rest of the country, and it's probably not something that you can be openly open about, not to the same level that I am in my everyday life now.
0: Has it impacted you? I mean, this show is primarily about coaches. You're one of the best coaches in the world. You're on the CrossFit seminar staff. You're also one of the, I mean, you're one of the fastest men in the world, right? We don't have to classify it as gay or straight. And you're also... Very, very fit. Has has that impacted any of that at all? Especially your coaching.
1: Uh, the coaching being gay, you mean? Yeah, I think um, I approach coaching as a, you know my opportunity to make a difference, and it doesn't matter like what I do in my personal life. That shouldn't impact how we interact in the gym you know if it happens that we end up becoming friends then yeah i might let you into a little bit of my personal personal life and even with seminars like seminars we're there to uh provide a service we're there to teach a seminar we're there to make a difference in people's lives we're there to make people better you know so like what i bring to the table is like my coaching expertise and my experience you know the fact that you know that i am gay has nothing to do with what i deliver over the course of the weekend if during some of the side chats, like people come up to me and tell me, it's like, Oh yeah, I know you're gay. And I'm gay, which has happened a lot of times. Does did, yeah. Because CrossFit did that video on me. They did the, the YouTube video. So it's right. like a 27 minute video. And uh, obviously got a lot of views and people got to know me a little bit more intimately. And so I still get people that come up to me or message me, whether it's on YouTube or, or Instagram and even people at seminars is like, oh, I know you look familiar, but I couldn't I couldn't remember why. And then they, and they put two and two together. And I think that came out about 2015. So it's been a few years since. But I still get messages of like, you know, thank you so much for being who you are, for the being inspiring or, you know, being openly gay, you know, and just not like letting anything get in the way of, you know, pursuing your dreams and passions. And that's really what I want to you know, put out there for people.
0: Last question on the topic. OK. Is there pressure? You are the you are the fittest gay man on the planet. That's how I would. That's how I would introduce <laughs> you. Is there pressure involved there? Just like anyone. Right. Like they're the fittest of anything. Sure. That's it. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. So I think in my age group, I am now. But uh, <laughs> actually, you know, unbeknowningly, I ended up wearing this, which is um, the out, the LGBT um leaderboard and so we had a separate leaderboard for anybody in the lgbt community oh, that took really? the That's open cool. scores yeah so i did win it last year this this year i i finished third you know uh and there was a couple of people that finished ahead of me one of them is a games athlete um she was a california um individual athlete a Ica something i forget exactly what her name is she's i think is a firefighter it was
0: her first time yeah, at the you know, last I, year sure i judged her Sure. Yeah. You know who I'm talking
1: about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she finished ahead of me. I think I won two or three of the workouts. I think she won two or three of the workouts. And I think there's a guy here, Eric Evans. I think he's been on a couple teams and he finished ahead of me as well. So, but in terms of pressure, uh, as an athlete, I think I've always competed on a team and, uh, my teams have always been extremely accepting. Although there's always been a fine line because I've also been on teams with people that are, you know, very Christian. And uh, there's always been a topic of conversation around acceptance. And even like, if I decide to get married, whether or not they would come to my wedding and uh, you know, it's probably stuff you don't think about, but we've had these discussions, you know, and uh, you know, like, I don't judge them. It's like their beliefs are their beliefs, mine are mine, you know, but at the same time is like, you know, like the fact that they wouldn't come to my wedding just because I'm gay, like kind of blows me away, you know, but in terms of as an athlete, this will be the first time competing as an individual athlete. I'm super excited, you know, like I qualified a couple of years ago, but I went on the team. And so I'm excited to just one, do the best that I can and inspire as many, many people as possible.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that, you're going to the yep. CrossFit games, 40 to 44 year old division. Yep. You and I worked together recently, but prior to that, I saw you at the Tony Robbins seminar. we yep. both had an amazing time. Yep. And you said it was at that seminar that you decided you're going to win the CrossFit games this year.
1: That is true. Yeah. After that, I was like, why not me? You know, I made that decision. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go all in. I think in December when I turned 40, I was about to turn 40. I was like, "Wow, this is a perfect time to do this. You know, I have a lot of life changes coming up in the next year. And so I was like, you know, I haven't done this before. I've qualified before, but haven't gone. And uh, this might be the last opportunity that I get to compete at this level. Uh, I'm starting a family. So that's going to take priority. And so I just decided to go all in, you know? And uh, yeah, I was able to qualify in the open, finish top 200. And then, then the age group qualified. I think I finished fourth or fifth. And I got my official invitation. Video submission was accepted. And I've already gone and accepted. I think today was the deadline to accept the invitation.
0: Yeah, you, we left that. And then that Monday, you went and won 19.5 in our age group. I'm in the. Same 40 to 44. Career. Yeah, not I didn't qualify for the games, but hold on a <laughs> second. You brushed yeah. over something. You're starting a family. Yeah, correct. What? What is what's going on? Tell me about that.
1: That means having a baby. I, this has been, uh, again, another lifelong dream of mine and uh, something that I've wanted to do. I haven't really shared that to too many people, but then recently I just decided to like be more open about it. It's been um it's been a lengthy process, and uh so I have a surrogate, I had an egg donor, we froze my em- the embryos, and actually this friday we're um, doing the embryo transfer and uh hopefully we'll get pregnant you know and uh have a baby early next year so that's kind of like my timeline part of the reason why that's I wanted so to cool. make this like you know the top priority for now because the level of commitment discipline training and sacrifice that it takes to compete at this level is probably not something that i have a lot more in me and honestly i compete because i st- i still bl- like i'm still blown away by the things that i can do you know like yeah, it comes to are... me as a surprise you know like i've been doing this for 10 11 years since 2008
0: i have questions about this you, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you, so you are impregnating a woman and now she's going to be a Sarah. Did you know this person?
1: Yep. Oh, uh, no, I met her through the agency. Like, so my friends had twins last year uh, through this agency here in San Diego. And so last year I sold my condo cause I needed to have the money for the whole process. Cause it's not a cheap uh, journey venture, I should say. And then when I got back from my trip in Europe last summer, I went to Europe for five weeks. I contacted the agent told them what my timeline was and what I was intending to do. And so we got, Started finding the appropriate surrogate, the appropriate egg donor, and then getting everything in order to get us to where we're at today.
0: Is the surrogate the same as the egg donor or is that two, different?
1: Two different two different entities. Yeah. And they both wow. live close to here. So <clears throat> I haven't met them in person, but we did a FaceTime um with both of them, and then I'll meet the surrogate this Friday when I go to the appointment before I leave for the seminar this weekend.
0: <laughs> so meet, meet the baby mama before you leave. Um, yeah, we FaceTime so, time before, and we chat, you know? So you've never met the egg donor, so the mother of your child, well, I mean, there's like two moms, right? It's just,
1: no, because it's just the egg donor. The surrogate is, I mean, she's playing an extremely important it's role. her genetics, right? it's the egg donor's genetics right but then it goes into not the surrogate the surrogate is like just the oven essentially she's the storage facility so but if you don't take that out of context because her role is probably more important than anything and anyone
0: but but the egg donor that's the the baby's mom that's biological right correct was it important that she's fit
1: Yeah, it was important that she's fit. I spent more time researching the egg donor than I did the surrogates. uh, You want
0: good genetics, right? I do want genetics.
1: Jason, don't take this the wrong way, but I wanted to have a tall baby or at least (laughs) above average. So one of my requirements was that the surrogate or the egg donor was going to have to be above five, six.
0: And what was
1: she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it needed to be. That was kind of one of the filters that I used when I was looking through the database. And then originally I wanted somebody that was Portuguese and I had a really hard time finding anybody that was Portuguese. There were some that were like a quarter Portuguese or an eighth Portuguese. It was always like a, like a, a, a mutt, a combination. And usually what ended up happening is they were
0: not above five, six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotcha. You. So you're like so. percent Portuguese.
1: Yeah, just about. I think my grandpa was a little bit German, so like an eighth German. I think he was half German, so it makes me an eighth German.
0: So we're gonna have Papa Nunu in about uh, ten months.
1: Yep. Hopefully, if all if all goes well, fingers crossed. Well,
0: congratulations, congratulations on that. That's really awesome. You were we were talking that you have a lot of change. Is that is that the biggest change you have going on? Oh yeah,
1: that's the biggest change.
0: <laughs>
1: <That's>, <laughs> I mean, that's I don't I can't think of anything bigger.
0: That, that's what was the, what was the deciding factor? What really made you decide to do that?
1: I think the, you know, the age looming, you know, like knowing that I was turning 40 and I, this is something that I wanted to do for like my entire life and going back to something that we discussed earlier, part of the coming out process, that was probably one of the hardest things to deal with is whether or not I would ever have, or be able to have a family, you know? and so. You know, whether it was accepting or dealing or being able to kind of wrap my head around it. Uh, and then last year, I think what always held me back was whether or not I could do it financially. And then when I, um, I had a condo that I lived in, and if I sold that condo, it essentially gave me the money I needed to be able to do it. So then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, when you talk about taking the things away that limit you from doing what you want to do, I no longer had things that got in the way. It's like, well, okay, well, now I'm going to sell this condo. I'll have, you know, the the, 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 the money uh, that I'll need, and then let's move forward.
0: So it was a big decision. I mean, you really made some sacrifices. Decision. Yeah. You, you, huge. You have a roommate there now you mentioned that you live with. Yep. So yep. you had to go from living in your own place to... Yeah.
1: Place. And that was actually intended because he needed to find a place and I wanted to sell my place. And so that kind of the timing of it was good. But then in the next six months, everything's going to change again because I'm going to have to find a place that's going to support having a kid. And we live in we live in a really nice place uh, overlooking the water here in San Diego, overlooking the, 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 the bay in literally close to where the old gym used to be. But this is not really like a family like where I can have a kid, you know. So gotcha. that's going to have to change, you know, obviously.
0: Well, you are welcome in Naples, Florida. <laughs> Thank you. If you want there's to start endurance a, program.
1: Yeah, right. There's a friend of mine, I think, that lives in near Naples, Connie Hemrick. Uh, she actually is a cro- CrossFitter, too. So she's a friend of mine that lived in New York and now I think lives in the Naples area. And uh, I think she still does CrossFit. I'd have to circle back with her and find out if she still does or not.
0: A lot of people are always interested when I have people that are on the CrossFit staff about hearing their journey to get on staff. Yeah. When did yours start?
1: Mine started <clears throat> 2011, and I
0: coached the endurance
1: seminars before that. So I coached for CrossFit endurance. I started teaching those seminars in 2010. I did, back then, was with Brian McKenzie and Carl Borg. And then, and, you know, I started CrossFit in 2008 and between 2008, 2010, I think I did all the seminars that were available. You know, I was just so gung-ho about That's what running. I did. Every time yeah.
0: one came to the Northeast, I took it.
1: Right? Same. And so then in 2009, when I did the CrossFit endurance seminar, they were looking for like assistant coaches and people that are intern and considering my background running track in college and then running endurance events, triathlons for like three or four years, it was sort of a a perfect fit so I interned became an assistant coach and then became a head coach for CrossFit Endurance in 2010 and then I was running the seminars kind of like as a flow master and then in 2011 I remember there was a seminar in uh, Houston and I had 53 people and I was the head coach and I had an, had an assistant coach and I had an intern so if you can imagine that ratio is not ideal for that type of a seminar. And I was like, well, this is either going to be really great or it's going to be a shit show. And so I kind of let people know, I was like, Hey, you know, when I tell you, we need to be back in the chairs by this time, it needs to happen. It's like, there's no wiggle room, right? Like when we're going outside to do video sh- shootage, we need to go outside when we're inside, like reviewing video, we need to be like on time. And so that was essentially the seminar that prompted me to pursue uh, seminar staff. Because the the endurance seminars back then weren't that size. There were maybe 10, 15, 20, 25 people at the most. And so what I realized is like, you know, I really love teaching and being in front of people and I want to have a platform or have access to where I can do that on a regular basis. And I knew CrossFit seminars, the level ones, there were about 40, 50, 60 people on a regular basis, especially around the time that I got on staff, 2012, 13, and 14. And so in 2011, I emailed, I think, Dave. And, uh, you know, he was, Dave was super important in in helping me get started in CrossFit. I met him in 2008 games, and then he facilitated me getting my level one, which I did, like, literally the month after. At the time, I wasn't really doing CrossFit and then, so when I emailed them and wanted to pursue it, he got me in contact with Pat Sherwood, who was in charge of the intern process then. And then uh, I interned. And uh, after my second internship, I
0: got hired. That's fast. I was just talking yeah. about uh, Chris Spieler and Doug Zaccaris. And oh, nice. Doug, Doug took like seven internships. Holy all. yeah, That's really fast for, it's a credit to probably how well you were coaching back then. I took the yeah. endurance seminar quite a few times. <laughs> yeah the first time I took it was with Carl and then uh, the second time I think it was Brian Diaz uh uh-huh, yep, yep but um still not a good runner so it didn't work for me
1: <laughs> well you gotta <laughs> practice you can't just expect <laughs> it to like it's not an overnight effect
0: um do you ever hear from Brian McKenzie anymore
1: uh no not as much he's still there yeah,
0: yeah I'm it, here. sorry
1: I had, I had a phone call I saw him last time I saw him uh was at uh somebody's uh, mark holman's funeral Uh, i don't know if you remember mark holman he was part of the endurance seminar staff and uh he had a heart attack in his sleep and uh early 50s yeah bike um like a super fit uh not triathlete uh road bike and then uh, so i saw him here the funeral was probably about a year maybe two years ago uh but we still keep in contact like you know Sometimes I shoot him a text and just check in to see how he's doing. I, 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 I know like they moved CrossFit endurance away from CrossFit. So it's not called power speed endurance. And I think his focus has now
0: become on breathing,
1: uh, breathing techniques and they're doing seminars yeah, and focus that. on that.
0: Yeah. What's the longest distance you've ever run? I've ran a marathon or I kind of walked part of it. it was that like, a, as part of the triathlon or you ran an individual marathon?
1: I ran an individual marathon. I ran um, 2008, I think it was, the same year I started doing CrossFit. Uh, I was deep in the triathlon, sort of endurance world. I've done a lot of halves. And then I was like, oh, let's do a, a full, you know? And I think part of it is because I don't really know. I think it was like a bucket list, you know? I think actually it was 2009, because at the time I think I'd already started doing CrossFit. And I was more like, it's like, oh, let's see. Like I do CrossFit, I can run a marathon. You know, so all I did was like short intervals, long intervals, and didn't necessarily do any longer runs. And so the last half of the race, I started out really well. Like my first half was 133 and I finished in 349. So you can do the math and know. Like, Still a great happened. time. Still a great Still time. Still a great time. I know, which is it's crazy. It's like, and I have no desire to do another one. I have nothing to prove now in my life in that regard.
0: Well, and you're a short distance runner. Correct. By, by nature, I would say
1: correct yep i try to run the shorter distances like the 100 and the 200 my coach in college When she's like no nah, you're more of a 400 meter runner so she made me a 400 meter runner, and she was right you
0: What's know? your that best was, ever 400
1: 477
0: 477 yep that's incredible yeah do you, so you're you're ridiculously strong do you think you know it's it's similar Muscles, you know, and, and and muscle fibers being used in that sprint distance. I mean, you clean well over three fifteen. You know, yep. you go on Nunu's Instagram and see it. You're you have, you have an amazing technique. I know when when Roz was watching one of your videos, she's like, "Well, no shit, he cleans so much. He's got you know, look at his torso; it's so upright." Um, <laughs> so, do you, is it just related to your genetic predisposition, or have you worked really hard? in addition to
1: that i'd say both you know i wish it was genetics or, and then i wish you i i could say that i like can think athletics was more on my dad's side of the family my grandpa was a professional soccer player for a short amount of time professional short amount of time like literally maybe a year or two and then uh, my dad uh, uh dabbled in judo he had two black belts but if you ask him he's like I wasn't athletic. I'm like, oh, okay, well, your judo black belts say otherwise. And then um, I've I've been an athlete my entire life. You know, whether it was track, soccer, volleyball, uh, triathlons, you know, half marathons. And I think genetics has a part to do it, but I think what probably makes me stand apart from other people is the 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 resiliency, the hard work. And the dedication, the sacrifice and the discipline, you know, I'm probably one of the most disciplined people you're going to meet. And uh, and I think that's one of the things that I can pass along to others, too, that I can help others like learn how to. It's like, hey, this is where I want to get to. But I'm over here. But uh, it, it wasn't easy. Like it didn't like I didn't just become strong overnight. I don't think I cleaned over 300 the first three or four years that I did CrossFit.
0: You well, know? I've been doing CrossFit twelve years, and I've never. <laughs> <done that before.
1: laughs> but it took a while, and same thing with a two hundred pound snatch too. It like it took a, a like a long time, and the snatch is probably like my worst lift. And it's like when it comes to technique and range of motion, that's where I, I am most challenged. Clean is probably my best lift, and front squat is probably my best lift, which is they translate well. But uh, how did I get that strong? Did my athletic background help? Yeah, I think it helped playing sports growing up and having the mindset of what it's like to be an athlete, especially competing in college. You know, having to balance both being a you know track and field athlete and being a collegiate at, uh, like you know uh, a college student and having to balance the two, you know, has given me sort of the um, the mindset of how to succeed at this level. You know, because CrossFit sucks. You know, like to be good at it, you have to be willing to embrace the suck. It's like, it's not fun sometimes, the stuff that we do. And it's like, you have to be willing to go to like what we call that pain cave, to be uncomfortable, to be like, you know, what they say is like, be comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, and a lot of people don't like or want to do that. And so, and I've overcome a lot of adversity in my life. And like, that's, I wouldn't say that's a happy place, but it's a place that I know how to get to.
0: When you say you're disciplined, what are, in what ways are you more disciplined than the average person?
1: Uh, more ways than average person, I'd probably say, uh, routine, you know, doing what I say I'm going to do, uh, nutrition, recovery protocols, you know, working out regularly, not making excuses, you know, uh, asking for feedback and asking for help and not thinking that I could do everything on my own.
0: What, What does training look like as a 40 year old man that made it to the CrossFit games, is it the same style of training and volume as the best in the world, the individuals, or is it a little less? No, it's a little less.
1: I tried to do what they were doing, but I don't think my body can handle it. And I think part of it is like, what, as you know, I have to manage the travel component of it. You know, uh, traveling definitely wears on my body and it definitely makes uh, training a little bit more challenging when I have to, Remember that if I work all week long, my Monday might be a little bit different than a regular Monday. In terms of the volume, I've significantly cut back, especially in the past year or two, to the point where, you know, like the intensity needs to be high. The volume, you know, it just varies based on how I'm feeling. So most days I do one session. Some days I can do a little bit more. Some days I'll split that session. But, you know, a lot of technique and a lot of, uh, dynamic stretching, focusing on mobility. And uh, some days I feel good or like this past Friday, I didn't have travel this past weekend. So I was able to do two sessions, but I also need to be careful. Like Saturday I trained and I was like, starting to feel beat up from the week. Sunday I rested completely. And then Monday I worked out and I got a little like tweak in my shoulder. So it's like, you know, I have to be careful. It's like, Hey, if I'm not feeling great, it might not be the
0: best time to push. You know, for those listening, they're like, oh, I want to go to the games and I want to train hard. How <laughs> how bad does your body hurt?
1: Uh, it hurts. It hurts. And uh, it varies. I think once I scaled back a little bit of the the volume, it hurt a little bit less, but when, when I push the intensity, as you know, it's like doing open workouts. It's not easy, but uh, I think there's always nagging pains. It's like, oh, my hip or my knee or my shoulder. You know, I've had ongoing shoulder issues probably for the past five, six, seven years, including PRP, cortisone shots, like regular body work. I see either acupuncture or my uh, ART specialist once a week, sometimes during the open or like leading up to regionals or the games last year or two years ago, sometimes I would see them both in the same week. <laughs> so it's an investment, you know? Uh, and then also the nutrition component, like making sure that I'm getting enough food, quality foods, and I'm not eating a bunch of crap. Because if I do, then it's just going to cause inflammatory, uh, you know, yeah, you response to my more. Body. We talked about that. I have been. And since we've worked together, I've been tracking my foods, you know, and what I was realizing is like, you know, even like I even ordered a whoop to track my recovery. And like even in my daily activity, like that day on Friday, I burned over 7,000 calories, you know, which was nuts in just my daily activity two workouts, you know, but it was like, even on a regular day where I might only do one workout, it's like I'm burning over 5000 calories. And so like my new goal is to consume over 4,000 calories, which is hard when you're eating clean. I have a a weakness for French fries. (laughs) And uh, I do have somebody looking at my food too. And uh, she evaluated, gave me some feedback. And was like, hey, you definitely should bump up the amount of carbs that you're getting, especially with the amount of training and volume that we're doing currently. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point.
0: More orange soda. (laughs) <laughs> I
1: I hardly do that. I don't think I've had one since. <laughs> you know,
0: going back to Houston, I think at the end of June, I was like, we have to go back to El. Are Chico. you? Oh, yeah, that place was yeah. so good. I, I loved it. I mean, you are investing. You go to the, you win the CrossFit Games this year. You've spent more money than you're going to win, right? Oh, yeah,
1: sure. Absolutely. What's,
0: what's the prize money for the number one male in the 40s?
1: I, no, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't even know if there is prize money for that. I think
1: there is. I think for the, I remember last year I looked for the 35, 39 was like 25,000. Oh, that's I think substantial. It, but then it goes down. I think it's like 5,000 after that for the 40 and 44 and every age group after. It might be 10,000, but I honestly, I don't know. Like the money is not what no. motivates me. Even when we won the games, yeah, we got a chunk of, like, you know, a nice chunk of cash. But it wasn't necessarily what the goal, like the end goal was not to win so I can win this money. The goal is like, let me push my body as far as I can to see what I'm like truly my potential is. You know, what am I capable of doing? Have I done everything I could possibly done to perform at the highest level at the, like, you know, get the most out of my body.
0: With as busy as you are and all, you know, these changes you have coming up, what is something that you have become better at saying no to?
1: uh french fries <laughs> what have i become better at saying no to i think i'm still working on that you know um becoming better at that's a hard question i'm not sure i have an answer for you
0: all right that's fine but french fries what what's your what's your go to french fry like what is the, the best for you <laughs> I,
1: I like them well done you know so it's a little crispy i don't like them soggy i don't like them soft and i like them thin cuts you know, is I don't there, like the potato doughy ones. I like them, like, crispy.
0: And is there a restaurant in mine that you think of? Uh, You
1: know, like, my go-to cheat is, like, a carne asada fries. There's a Mexican restaurant here that I'll go to. It's a little out of the way. I used to live in that area, and every once in a while, I'll still make that exception to go out there and, and get it just for that. Or if I am happen to be in the area, I might just stop by, to, you know, just to make sure they're still – the quality that I, <laughs> that I remembered.
0: <laughs> you need There's, to get yourself an air fryer. Chop I know, up my roommate has
1: potatoes. one, actually. Yeah. And you,
0: do what? You can chop up some potatoes. You can have potatoes. You need the carbs. Yep. And make yourself some fries. Well, no, sounds easy enough, huh? I just learned how to
1: use the rice cooker.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds easy because Roz does it. So uh-huh. you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's a little more complicated than I'm envisioning. With With all this preparation, what are some big investments you've made? I mean, you mentioned the body work, a whoop now. What other investments do you have to make just to be as healthy and as fit as you are? I think
1: those are the biggest ones, you know? Um, Sometimes my social life, you know? And uh, I think the nu- nutrition's dialed in. It feels like the recovery. I feel like even the whoop. When I told a couple of people about it, like my coaches and stuff, it's like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, you need it because you have you you have a good understanding of how you feel, um, how your body's recovering. But I wanted to be certain, and I wanted to like leave no like leave no stone unturned. You know, so I did decide to invest in the whoop.
0: Um, One thing I've sure heard again. about the whoop is. People see their recovery as low, for example. Oh, I didn't uh-huh. get enough recovery. But then mentally that impacts their workout. Sure. Yeah. How you, can you overcome that?
1: Uh yeah, definitely. I think what I feel is probably gonna be more important than what the Whoop data tells me, you know, because I feel like I can still have a good gauge of what what I'm doing and how I'm recovering. I think the sleep is probably the most important. I think my body just naturally wakes up after usually like seven hours of sleep, seven, eight hours. And even if I try Mm -hmm. to stay in bed, I think I just kind of wrestle and it's almost like detrimental. It's like, well, at this point I should just, I need to get up and start being productive, you know? And so sleep is, um, is one that I think I could always use more of.
0: Um, what was the question? circle back. I forgot. I I took you off topic. That's all (laughs) right. What, what's, what are some unusual habits that you have?
1: unusual habits unusual habits i started doing the cold shower at the end of my shower but you probably already knew that i think we talked about that yeah so, so i start my shower in the morning yeah with a, a warm shower and then usually the last 30 seconds to a minute or uh cold
0: you need to go full out <laughs> and go all cold Right from the beginning. That's what I do in the That's morning. Not
1: even a shower. That like I would just be rinsing off.
0: Yeah, I don't. My morning shower is not. I shower before I go to bed. That's uh-huh. just like it's Wake for that purpose. Yeah, it's not to get cleaner. Okay, got it. So I just get in, get out. Are there other things that you took from Tony Robbins that you implement daily?
1: Things that I implement daily, the priming has been super important. I try to do that every morning. I've been pretty consistent. I'd probably say ninety-five percent of the time, uh, I've been doing that. That just—I feel like it gets me in a great place mentally, um, mentally, emotionally. Just kind of focused for the day. It gives me—it almost—it's like a meditation to me. You know, start off with some gratitude and then thinking about the things that I want to accomplish, things that I'm uh, grateful for that I've been able to accomplish. And then, uh, you know, goals and people that I want to share this energy with throughout the day.
0: Last thing I I like to ask every guest, any any books that you recommend the listeners check out?
1: Uh, Yeah, you know, currently I'm reading Start With Why. Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's one of my favorites uh, and that was something that was recommended to somebody based on uh I started doing audible uh from what you had told me it's hard to keep up with audible on podcasts so so i've almost finished the first book and actually my goal is to finish it in uh this month in may so so it keeps it free so i can just um, like get one free book every month i think That's right and so,
0: so you you have to the trick is you have to speed it speed it up <laughs> you have that's to listen at idea. like 1.25 to 1. 1.5 but you still feel like you retain the information though yeah i you know in fact i feel when i listen at a faster pace i have to pay more attention oh yeah that's good i like that but usually, i don't like
1: I'll, i i'll have it when i'm driving or like background when i'm working and so i guess yeah no I, i'll try it
0: especially like i go for a lot of walks throughout the day just to get outside that's when i throw these headphones on oh yeah nice well it's been really great catching up anything else you wanted to touch upon while you while you have this audience
1: no not really like I've been really impressed with your podcast I actually subscribed to it uh, I think I've only listened to one of them but uh who'd you listen
0: to was it a specific, was it a person or a, I think it was, was one
1: of the first ones uh I can't remember off the top of my head I didn't remember I listened so I've listened to I think two because one is the one that you sent to sent to us right before the seminar and I think I listened to one since I downloaded the podcast
0: well I thank you maybe you can listen to it during on your training days when you're yeah. getting ready to hit some heavy lifts hear me there talk in the background but it's been great you know I'm I really enjoy the times we get to work together so I hope that we get to work together again soon you bring an incredible energy every time you're there and it's you're a very motivating and inspiring individual. So. I really appreciate you and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason. And I'm excited to see you at the CrossFit Game. So Yeah, are you gonna be there? You know, we we're we're not sure if we'll be out there <laughs> judging. We don't really know what's going on yet this year. <laughs> but um one way or the other, if I'm not out there judging, I will be streaming you live on my show. And I look forward. I know how important it is That's for you and um I'm excited for it. So thanks for coming on and best of luck with that. And Papa Nunu. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of Their Day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.